Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by Dave Ubbin. And Dave. Yes. It's football season, man. And we're matching. Here come the men in black. <laughs> Ari out here trying to get our video demonetized. But yeah. Listen, I, I think there's like a, there's a, we're coming to a funeral joke. Maybe it's the funeral of our social lives now that the season has arrived. I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going for here. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But I think it's just, it's time to really enjoy what we've really Got into this business for which is football. Um, it's a long you know, and, and it feels really good. Honestly, it's been a long off season. We've had to rejigger some things on this podcast. You know, there's been a lot of preview content, probably more so than any human being could could keep up with. And if you have, we really appreciate it. So, want to let you guys know before we get into these picks into the mailbag uh, episode that we're going to be doing today. Um, of course, to always subscribe and rate review the podcast on on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. And of course, if you like watching them live and you're here right now, greatly appreciate it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave comments. And and if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you're listening, the uh, link to that channel can be found in the show's description. Um, We have a lot of stuff happening this year, Dave. Um, If you were a listener of this feed last year, it's going to be very similar. We have stars matter. That's returning uh, this season and, and as soon as this week, I'm recording the first episode of Stars Matter in a while after we're done here. Um, we have uh, Max and Sam coming back. We have Power Hour. Um, the whole schedule that you guys have been accustomed to getting, you will get again starting this week. So, Dave. Yes, sir. You ready? I'm hyped, man. We have actual football games to talk about. We'll get to those in a second. But we have the the topic du jour of the mm-hmm. offseason to tackle first. I know we we always like it's like right when you're at the end of wanting to do something and being eager to do something, there's always one more hold up. And well, I was like super horror, excited. It's like the horror movies, right, where uh, you think the villain is dead and then it jumps back up right when you think that you're, yeah, you're done. Welcome to realignment just as football is getting ready to kick off. <laughs> yeah, let's spend two or three minutes on the realignment situation. We I've been traveling all week for work. You've been very busy yourself. But Nicole Auerbeck and the entire Internet was buzzing on uh, Wednesday saying the ACC has again begun considering adding Stanford Cal SMU to the to the group uh, or to the conference um, ESPN first reported it and like what do we make of this really quickly like is it just uh, it just seems like kind of banana land to me but also I understand why uh, it's happening well I mean it, it sort of depends on how far are you willing to go to get in the league and if SMU is going to forego what was it seven years of revenue to basically say, hey, ESPN's going to give you more money if we're in the league, and it's all going to go to you guys, and our boosters are going to basically uh, bankroll us just so we can be at the adults' table, and Stanford and Cal are going to take smaller shares. I- I've thought this whole time, if they can get to the breaking point where they say, hey, for the rest of the ACC, even though they obviously aren't necessarily super thrilled about this, you know, like all uh, realignment decisions, if it makes sense, C-E-N-T-S, it makes sense, S-E-N-S-E, and that is where we are. And I think it, it just was a matter of how far can they get down the line to make this make financial sense? And it seems like we might be close to it. Yeah. And if they, if they can do that, too, and, and people make more money and you save a few programs, it's like I'm at the point now where I'm just like hoping that every power five team gets saved somehow. Like yeah. I don't want anybody to get left behind. And we still have a few teams that are kind of in no man's land that, you know, I feel for their fan bases and I feel for. Um, just like what it must feel like to lose your favorite thing in the entire world. Kind of like the way I felt when NCAA football video game got discontinued (laughs) the first time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see and hopefully find a resolution to all these things. And of course we have, um, you know, Matthew C here on the comments here saying the best sport had the longest off season. Uh, this is God's way of testing our faith. Um, well, that and all the idiots who run college football who are hell bent on trying to ruin it. That's a lot of faith, too. Well, I, I think, too, that the reason why a lot realignment has been such a dis- 
disgusting conversation for me anyway, is that I feel like I don't like any of the moves. Like think about yeah. how much better it would be if, you know, realignment was happening. The expansion of the college football was happening or the playoff was happening. And you actually genuinely liked all the moves that they were making. Like that's the hardest part. It's like, Oh, okay, great. USC is in the big 10 now. Like, am I supposed to pretend to like that? It stinks to me. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I hate it. I, it doesn't it's make any stu- sense to I, me. And I think I just want all the places that care about college football to get to be able to play college football at the highest level. And that is not where we're at, you know, and that's that's sad to see, you know, places like like Oregon State, they care about college football there. Washington State, they care about college football there. Most of the Big 12, if not all of it, um, really passionate fan bases that show up and care. And we're trending toward a situation where they're going to get boxed out of the highest, highest level of the sport. And that that to me is is sad. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I hope that whatever uh, this final destination is of, of what it looks like that these teams can reemerge into a system or a conference that allows them to have a seat at whatever table is left at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into some games. But before we do that, I wanted to make sure that I wanted to acknowledge some of the, the quarterback battle winners because that's a big deal to me, right? Um, Jaden Rashada, uh, yeah. six months out of uh, being the biggest NIL story to date, probably, um, wins the starting job at ASU. Um, and I thought that that was a really fascinating situation and almost feels like he went from you know, money hungry villain from a fan's eyes to like lovable underdog, because, you know, as you become more understanding of what he went through and how this all played out for him, it's like mm-hmm. kind of hard not to root for him now, Dave. Um, yeah. And ASU in general with uh, Kenny Dillingham Ham as the first year head coach, it's going to be a large, uh, longer building process for him, like starting with the talented freshman and true freshman and letting him go. I think is going to be interesting thing to watch. So Auburn Peyton Thorne won the job over Robbie Ashford, Florida Graham Mertz won the job over Jack Miller. Carson Beck was officially named the starter at Georgia, Georgia tech Haynes King won the job. That's a familiar face to anybody who uh, watched Texas A&M the last few years, Illinois, uh, Luke Altmeyer, um, you know, Oregon state DJ, Uyunglele, who, which I mispronounced again and again and again, but please just you look got at it that right just now. You're good. I you're did. Good. No, I thought yeah. I didn't. I, no, Uyunglele, you got it. Uyunglele, uh, UCLA, I think is some intriguing, uh, <laughs> intriguing stuff to pay attention to Ohio state. There's some buzz that Devin Brown is pushing the court a little bit more than we thought he would be. Um, and of course what's going on at Alabama is super intriguing. So I wanted to get those out there. Um, because you know, watching football and all those things that, uh, we love about college football is all to do with quarterbacks a lot of the time. So, um, all right, Dave, do you want to get started on picks? Like, are you ready to like actually pick games? Are you in that mindset? Well, yes, it's somewhat of a tease. I'm, I'm pre frustrated Ari because I do love football, but the week zero schedule, not only are the games, they leave a bit to be desired, but the, the, the breakdown we get nothing in the early window. We get Notre Dame at 2.30. That's it. Standalone. And then some decent games. And then, of course, the best game of the evening will be the hardest to find. Uh, so we'll get to that. But it's football, Ari. So I'm not going to complain about football. <laughs> week zero. Listen, if this was week four, you know, we might be we might be rolling our eyes. But week zero, I'll take what I can get. I will be watching UMass and New Mexico State. I can promise you that. <laughs> you you got to I, I, I need you to, to up the energy a little bit because we're I'd watch any. <laughs> I'm over here, you know, betting spreads in the preseason. I'll take any regular season game. Um, as a reminder, as we go through this, all of our gambling lines or betting lines are presented by BetMGM. Um, and, you know, as we get into the latter half of the show, we will be doing a mailbag. We have a new voicemail line that we have tweeted out and I'm going to give you right now. Um, that number is, uh, excuse me while I try to find it here. three, one, six, four, six, two, nine, eight, five, two. I have to learn that number by heart, uh, in the next few days because I can't keep reading it off. You can leave a voicemail for our Sunday sound off show that we're going to be doing every Sunday in the prime time window between the last NFL games before or the afternoon games and the, in the evening games. And if you want to text that number, you can too. So if you want your voice on the show, Dave, I want people's voices on the show. I do too. Um, I want, I want to hear what people, I want to hear their passion. I want to hear what they have to say. And I want to play that. I want other people to, to hear that and they can be part of our conversation. If you love the show, if you want to ask mailbag questions and you want to be a part of it, 
Call that number and leave a voicemail. We will play it on the show. Again, that phone number is 316-462-9852. Okay, Dave, let's get into football. Let's start right now. Um, Notre Dame Mm -hmm. in Ireland against Navy. We had a 19-and-a-half-point spread. I think it's moving towards 21 at this point Mm -hmm. um, because people are starting to realize you can bet on college football. Um, Last year, it was a three-point game between these two teams. Uh, What side of the fence are you on on this one? I have to think Notre Dame is probably a public side, right? They're Notre Dame. Uh, But two things. One, start of the season, it's easy to come slow out of the blocks. These international games, all the distractions, all that stuff, it can get kind of weird. New coach over at Navy, Brian Newberry. You know, they're still going to be running this triple option. That feels like a lot of points. Uh, for you know, a guy that's you still got a new quarterback at Sam Hartman trying to get used to things. You can uh, limit possessions uh, as a spread offense. SP Plus loves Notre Dame here, but give me Navy uh, and the points here. It's going to be a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow, and a little bit weird. Uh, all these international games you see them in the NFL all the time too. It, just weird stuff happens. I don't think Navy can win this game, but I think they can keep it a little bit closer. Yeah, I. Uh I'm completely on the opposite side of the fence of you here. Um, last I'm year, the game it's was because cool. of talent, Ari. No, no, no. I just like, <laughs> listen, if there's any like talent combustor, it's the triple option for a team that doesn't like get it. You know, sometimes you can tell, I think, like in the first 10 minutes of a, of a triple option game, uh, whether a team is going to be able to stop it or if it's going to be a, a four quarter struggle to figure out where the ball is. Um, and of course, we've seen Navy over the course of uh, many years here. Um you know, play Notre Dame pretty tough. I think that last year's game was a little bit closer than um, people thought it would be. And I think the score uh, wasn't necessarily uh, the final thought that you would get from a Notre Dame game, but they couldn't throw the ball last year, dude. Like if, if you have any thought that Sam Hartman's going to be a top seven to 10 quarterback in college football this year, and uh, they have some receivers to actually throw the ball to this year, like how could you possibly think that, you know, they're not going to just run run all over this team. Um, you know, if they throw it early, opens up the run game, Navy's past defense has been traditionally pretty bad. I think that this is a pretty good opportunity for them to start the new era um, in another country uh, with their new quarterback and, and kind of make a statement. Um, I, I just don't see this game being very close. And, you know, last year there was a, it was a Northwestern and Nebraska, which was the grab ass bowl that we always all wanted. That was a very and entertaining football game. <laughs> I think that was kind of one of the top five, like most. I mean, if it was a, if it was a parody of a football game, uh, that was a parody. That is that the, where the onside kick happened? Yes. Um, yeah. So and Scott Frost being involved in all that that was that was quite the the journey. But I just think that Notre Dame is a better football team all around, and if they actually have a quarterback and some skill position players that can make some plays this year. Um, they should have no problem throwing the ball, which will then open up the run, um, which is the exact opposite of what they were doing last year. So uh, this is the uh, the big season for Marcus Freeman, too. It's like, like, what is your viewpoint of Notre Dame in general going into yeah. the year? Uh, well, all I hear, Ari, is that you hate the troops, basically. They're they're abroad. They're coming over there to, to fight, and, and you're, just, you're doubting them left and right. So if the uh, troops are playing in Europe, <laughs> yeah, good is question. that an invasion? Uh, I feel like if they're next to the Irish, probably not. It's more of a, I think it's more of a business trip. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, uh, uh, you know, going internationally for, for, to improve relations, maybe something along those lines. So I don't, I don't think so. Um, but that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that the team was playing out there. (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman inherited a tough situation because, you have Brian Kelly who felt like he was banging up against the ceiling of Notre Dame. And mm-hmm. so when you take over and you win nine games, people are sort of complaining because, well, we just won 10 games, you know, or more five years in a row. And it turns out Brian Kelly, pretty good football coach and Marcus Freeman taking his first head coaching job at Notre Dame. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people overlook that of like, well, he's an incumbent. He should keep it going. Um, keep it rolling. He kept a bunch of their assistants. He should be fine. But, like, you know, Notre Dame does not have the advantages that they once had. And Brian Kelly, a little bit more experienced than Marcus Freeman. So, you know, I think you got to get to double digits this year or else I think next year you might be coaching for your job. Um, you know, I, certainly he's got the energy and the, the belief of the locker room. But, you know, he needs Sam Hartman to be great. you got to get to double digits this year. 
Yeah. Okay. So two things. And I think Eric Decker did a good job here in the comments of kind of mapping out why last year's Navy game was close. Um, if you were, I think they blitzed a ton of cornerbacks in that game and Drew Pine just was confused and they couldn't throw the football. And then Navy went on a late run there in the second half. Um, but the idea that um, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame in order to go to LSU because the last remaining bullet point on his resume was to go win a national championship is very interesting to me, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes down there because he thinks that this is his only chance to equip a roster that is good enough to beat an Alabama or a Georgia or Ohio State or something. My question to you is, do you think that Brian Kelly, who you clearly have bought in on this year with LSU, is right about that? Do you think 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 and a blow off loss, a blowout loss in the first round of the playoff or the four team field at least is Notre Dame ceiling? Or do you think that Marcus Freeman actually could one up one up? I think it's an interesting question. I, I think ultimately. Uh, Notre Dame fans are going to be mad at me, but I feel like if you look at Notre Dame and you look at Nebraska, they're like kind of distant cousins in that. So much of that the sport has changed around them that it has changed their circumstances, and it takes a while to get used to that. Notre Dame obviously has enjoyed a lot of success. You had Brian Kelly. But how does Notre Dame recruit and and have the kind of roster that can win a national championship, especially in the playoff era, where you can't just go 12-0, you know, beat uh, a few Big, 12, Big Ten teams, uh, and get into the national championship, and it's one game. you got to beat at least, what, two elite teams with top five rosters now to get to win a national championship. So usually you want, it's two in the four team field. It might be three or four depending on your route. Well, because not like, elite team. Yeah. I mean, I guess depending on your route, I guess. It well, depends. I mean, if what if I mean by that is in the 12 team playoff, you are, if you are a team like Notre Dame's current iteration of itself, you are going to have to potentially play a three loss Alabama team that has a top five roster in the first or second round of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, you know, those teams aren't going to be the dangerous teams. Like, if your Alabama team, like the way that you view Alabama this year actually comes true, they don't have um, an offensive skill position player that they can, you know, equate. Um, or count on to win a football game, but they're nasty on defense. They're super talented, and they go nine and three in the SEC. Like mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, would be Notre Dame's worst nightmare. The current Notre Dame worst nightmare in the first or second round of the twelve team field. Like that is the thing that nobody is considering when we're talking about the. Tw- it's not just the super teams that are undefeated at the end of the year. It's also the Ohio States and the Clemsons and the Alabamas who had off years that are still going to chance to play the teams that had the best years ever. Then I think mm-hmm. people are going to get really, really upset when your eleven and zero Pitt Panthers or your ten and two Penn State Nittany Lions or any of those teams that are in that position start losing to teams that would have otherwise been out of it in the fourteen field. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that you have to have a roster that is equipped to beat three teams in the same postseason with top seven talent level. Well, you look at right now, I'm I'm looking at the blue chip ratio. Notre Dame's at 65%. You have three teams, the teams I'm sure you are expecting, are over 75%. I think Notre Dame has been good. They're always good. Uh, But I think you, you have to have more bodies in the middle, and a transcendent quarterback. That's been a while since we've seen that with Notre Dame. I think if there's, you know, if there's a cheat code to Notre Dame outplaying its talent level and beating some of those teams that are more talented and, and quite frankly, probably quite a bit more talented, um, it is that, that generational quarterback. It is that um, big-time talent, the Deshaun Watson, the uh, Trevor Lawrence, the uh, Bryce Young. They need that guy. I mean, they just haven't had that guy. Sam Hartman's really good. I don't think Sam Hartman's that guy, but I don't think we're talking about Notre Dame for the national championship this year. But they're in a weird spot um, where, you know, Brian Kelly, all right, would you say one of the five best coaches in college football? I would think so. I think that he's at least... You had him there, and, and they, you know, we can talk about the national championship appearance, but, like, was there a point where you thought, at any point, Notre Dame's got the best team in the country? Here is the wild card of this discussion because somebody just said, you know, Timothy said the only hope is a Clemson model, Mm -hmm. but Brian Kelly is a good coach who has gotten a lot out of the rosters that he's had. We both can agree on that. Mm -hmm. He has never had the reputation as a maniacal recruiter. 
He's never seemed like somebody who has gone all in and become crazy about calling kids and doing everything that he possibly could to get the best possible recruiting classes. And maybe part of that was the limitations that you have at that university from an admission standpoint. But if Marcus Freeman can acquire talent from the high school level at a more efficient pace, then you have a chance to just assemble a team that just is better than what Notre Dame has had. It doesn't mean that he's a better coach, but sometimes I feel like I might want the better recruiter at a place that has talent limitations and then hope for the best after that. And that could be a disaster because if you have a great recruiter who gets better players, but isn't nearly as good of a coach, you might not be able to match the consistent output that Brian Kelly had. But I do think that Notre Dame has the potential if they break through from a recruiting standpoint and get through to some of these five-star prospects that they've at least gotten commitments from in the last two years, that maybe at the end of the road here in four or five years, if he's still the coach there, you have a team that is built in a different way than the Notre Dame teams that made the playoff under Brian Kelly were built. That's, I think, on the table at least. In 2023, though, Ari, how do you win a recruiting battle against Ohio State? What are you selling? I don't know, but how did you do it in 2017? It's uh, probably the same. It's but it's a say. It's the same sales pitch, you know, and like the idea of you know the whole Jay Z thing that he that Freeman always brings up of you got to try to find the five star prospects that aren't driven by those those other factors. And, you know, go to Catholic schools and, you know, say this is the environment that we're I mean, it's not easy. Good luck. And, and good the, luck. I'm not, like, OK, no, I'm saying, but like good luck. But that's what happened already. It's they've already been dealing with that. This isn't an NIL discussion. This is a Notre Dame discussion. This isn't like a like a new problem because you can pay players. I still um, think if you're, you know, if you're talking about recruiting at an elite level and you're not having an NIL discussion, you're fooling yourself. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have it or can't have it. Yeah, I'm just saying they might be able to win three or four more battles a year than they were in the past. And over a four year period, they could assemble a team that is, has more top end talent, especially, too, because Notre Dame's done a great job of having great offensive and defensive lines for the most part. Like Maybe. I'm just talking about like skill position players that get burned, uh, you know, in the Alabama. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to extend hope here. <laughs> that's uh, a you're, lot you're, of ifs of a lot of varying sizes to get there. I. I Listen, mean, it's I, just like a, I can't sit here on the podcast and tell Notre Dame fans that their their team is hopeless Ari, when it comes to winning a take, national title. If you could take the over under on Notre Dame national championships in the next twenty five years at point five, what would you take? Over. Okay. Give me the twenty five years is a really long time. And my old co host on this show used change, to say, "What's going to change? What's going to change that, that shifts the sands underneath Notre Dame's feet in a way that is no, better." You have no idea what could change. I can't even fathom it, man. Uh, that's the thing that's so funny. It's like if it were up to me, like based on what I see in the in the sport now, all the teams that keep hoarding all the five-star prospects are going to be the five best teams in college football every year forever. You know, but the expanded – everybody keeps telling me that the expanded playoff is supposed to change recruiting, right? Or give people more of a shot or create more parity. That's what I keep hearing. It can hearing. help a little bit. It can help a little bit, but not But in fun. 25 years – the sport might be very different in a way that we don't know. What if they join the Big Ten, relax admission standards? And, you know, I mean, I don't know. Anything could happen. Um, so, hey, Dave, we got a mailbag question, and this isn't to uh, to jump in here. Uh, before we get to that mailbag question, that's Notre Dame. Uh, Jeff Ross has a, a comment here. Notre Dame needs to adopt the Michigan recruiting model by going after the kids that are overlooked by programs by the national brands. And that's I a think development that that's, model. That's not a recruiting model. <laughs> well, it's a development model, and I also don't think it's a sustainable model. Like, yes. I don't think Michigan is going to be a perennial national championship contender for the next 10 years straight because of that model, whereas their competition like Ohio State and Georgia, who they have pinned up on their wall, are going to can uh, withstand losses at a great level. But one out of the next 25 years – um, I think that's a long time. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We have a mailbag question that's Notre Dame related that I wanted to make sure we got to before we moved on to the next game. This is from Michael G. 
I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. My daughter is as well. We purposefully scheduled her wedding for August 26th because Notre Dame wasn't supposed to be playing. Got the venue at a discount for paying in full. Two weeks later, they decided to move the Notre Dame Navy game to the same day as my daughter's wedding. The game is at 2.30. Pictures are at 3.45. And the wedding is at 5. At what point do I need to turn off my phone? I mean, 445 probably once once you're getting lined. So let's see here. He's the he's the father of the bride. I mean, once you're like standing out in the lobby, then you kind of have to you kind of have to go dark. I think you can once once you're in the cocktail hour, you know, post reception, I mean, you're only going to miss here like a like a 40 minute window, 45 minute window at most. Probably. Uh, I don't feel like any I don't feel like any of that's out of pocket. And it's easier as, as well as a guy that you've got pockets Whereas if you're a bride, certainly not. And if you are a bridesmaid, the pocket situation is going to be perilous. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say the 15 minutes before when you're lined up in the lobby. And then once you're seated at the cocktail hour after the ceremony, I feel like you're good. You're good. You can At that point, I think you can start streaming, really. Just, hot, just lay it up, like lean your phone up on the, on the table. And I feel like nobody's going to be complaining. My hope for you, Michael, is... <laughs> That the game's over by the time you need to worry about it. <laughs> like, like I, if you're, that's a good point. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if, if it's too, if if the games at you know two thirty and pictures are at three forty five, you've got an hour and fifteen minutes. That should almost get you close to halftime. Um, and also too, if you are worried about this, what I would do is um, make it about your daughter. Your daughter is a huge Notre Dame fan. Keep updating her with the score. Yeah. You're not looking on your behalf. You're <laughs> looking good. on your daughter's behalf. Um, and like uh, Matthew C here, why is the dad allowing his daughter to schedule a game that's that close to the season anyway? What's wrong with spring weddings? It, there I mean, is a question here that you're going to be on your honeymoon probably while this is going on. I mean, listen, I'm not a don't get married in the fall guy. I think you can do whatever you want. You only get married once. There's there's college football seasons every year unless there's a global pandemic that, uh, you know, make decides to take over things but uh you know it, it's it, if you are a huge college football fan it, it is an odd choice to come that close to the season but i guess there's probably a reason for it but if you're scheduling it that far out right i don't know when the game was moved the choice to go in august listen they're basically having a summer wedding i've been to a couple know, weddings in august wedding like august yeah, is on a- that, that's you are going to be sweating. There's a lot of people in a lot of layers of clothes outside. Yeah. I've been in that world. I've been in the mid-August groomsman photo shoot. It is a. It is not great. I'll just tell you, it's not great. Uh, you need some fans. You need some air conditioning breaks. Photo, but that 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 you need that gap between the photos and the uh, ceremony to get everybody dried off from soaking. If you all get their clothes, if you get married outside in August in a hot place, there's something wrong with you. Like well, everybody it's, always it's talk, rude. Every, it's rude yeah. above all else. I mean, honestly, like everybody always does the the shtick of don't no fall weddings, no fall weddings. It's like the fall is the most beautiful time to get married, you know, in some parts. And you of only the get nation, married yes. once. And like, I would just, you know what? College football is great. But my daughter's wedding, I think that day is probably going to take precedent over mm-hmm. um, my job and my fandom of whatever. Some people you know, get married more than once, though, Ari. It is true. And that's true. But then don't <laughs> get married in the fall the second time, I guess, is the, is the takeaway here. Um, I just think that I would much rather go to a fall wedding. This is my take. I don't like heat. I don't like being outside. I grew up in Phoenix, but I hate, hate, hate wearing a coat outside. Mm-hmm. Um I would much rather miss college football on a fall beautiful wedding with the leaves changing than sit outside for three hours in August when it's 113 degrees wearing a jacket and, and, and pants. Like, it's just like, to me, that's like, let's end the don't get married in fall stuff and start the don't get married outside in August. And it's like this person <laughs> that that has the Notre he's, he's he's missing his favorite game and getting married in the heat. It's like a summer fall wedding where it's like a double whammy. So it I is feel the, it is a Navy game though. Let's be honest. We're not talking about USC here or yeah. the Ohio State game. It's, it's sort of a different. The Navy game that you just got done saying could be closer than we think. <laughs> and if you are a fan of your favorite team, it doesn't matter who they're playing. It matters whether or not you think the game is in question in the middle of the third quarter because you don't miss that game no matter who they're playing. If you're a fan of that team, let so the record show. My, I got married inside in March, so. I got married outside in Southern California and people had to wear sweaters. It's tough. That's tough. No, it was like us. <laughs> it's 55, 65, perfect out in front of the ocean. That's to me the sweet spot. And it was in May, so everybody won. That's all right. All right. I got married about about 15 minutes from your house. Yeah, I think that the uh the you did? 
I did. I did. Where'd you get married? Uh, the Biblical Art Museum right by North Park Mall in Dallas. Did you think of any other museums or was that just the one that kind of ran away with it? We were going to get married at our church, but we're going to get married at our church scheduling and it was all, it was very complicated. We couldn't get the Dallas has a lot of great museums, Dave. I didn't know if you like, (laughs) like we're looking through a lot of them, but that's, I'm going to go to the museum and register, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, all right, let's, uh, we've got a lot of games this week, but let's just go and spend the most time on, um, the next game of the day, which is not the next game of the day, but the game that everybody's excited to watch. That's San well, Jose State at USC. Am watch, I missing one? Are gonna be, you're going to be you're going to be excited to watch it, but you might need an illegal stream to watch it, Ari. Uh, How do I, Yeah, what do I, I do if I just I have YouTube say, though, TV? Like, well, first of all, I'm mad about the TV network. It's the game I most want to watch, and I'm not going to be able to. I, I got to say, Ari, this might spell trouble for the Pac-12 in the future if their network has distribution issues what do you think about this it why can't you watch it can you not just go pay for the stream that day or no i don't think so like i ha- i have youtube tv it's not on there um, i have it, youtube tv a, too so let's talk through this network thing on on um like i've never been able to get pack 12 network consistently like they've had a ton of distribution issues i don't i think they're on direct tv but i haven't had direct tv in a long time um so you know, I have usually relied on semi-legal streams, essentially, because it's difficult. And like the just if they're on the Pac-12 network, like people just don't watch these games. And I think this one will be different because you have a Heisman winner, you have a lean schedule. I will be making an effort. I usually have a four-screen situation going on game days. I don't know that I'll have quite that intensive a setup for this week, um, because it just doesn't necessarily necessitate it, but yeah, I, I may have to find a stream, but no, you can't just like buy Pac-12 Network for a day or like, you know, purchase it. This is why I actually thought the Apple deal was kind of interesting for them, because if you just wanted it sort of a la carte, you could get it. But no, I uh, this is this is not great. This is not great. Yeah, well, I think what's going to happen is, is that all of us are collectively um, as college football fans. Twitter is going to. It'll it'll show up for us. Nope. We'll get a, Listen, a legal stream. I'm sad about the death of the Pac-12. Not sad about the death of the Pac-12 network. I like Pac-12 football, and I listen. I want to watch Oregon State and Utah <laughs> at 8 p.m. You know, I don't want it to be you know banned on the Pac-12 network. Can't especially wait, especially on a busy Saturday. It's hard to find. Can't wait until the future of the Pac-12 games are streamed on PBS Kids Video app in 2027. Like, listen, it doesn't make. I mean, like the NCAA tournament did this too, right? Like, uh. Until like eight the, years ago, yeah. No, but like they also have their games on weird TV networks that make no sense, right? Like wasn't well, last year's get, like yeah, true everybody TV? Gets, everybody gets true TV though. That's just in like your base cable network. Nobody. No, I understand that. But if you want forensic jokers, files or you want Michigan State basketballs on the same channel, it's just bizarre. I what I was going to say is I don't care what channel it is as long as I, I, it's easy access, easily accessible. Yeah, you know, I, like I don't it could know how be many on Nickelodeon homes. for all I care. I don't know how many homes True TV is in. I would guess probably 60, 70 million homes. Pac-12 Network, I don't know what their distribu- distribution numbers are. It's it's not great. I feel like ESPN I think it'd be recently dipped below 100 million. They were a pretty a weird thing to not be able to just go to Pac12Network.com and buy it for the month. Like anytime I a, don't think you can do that. I'm not sure. But like, why can't you? It makes no sense. Anytime I want to watch a new television show that's on a weird streaming platform that I don't have, I just nut up and pay for it. Like why? I don't and then know. like I think cancel it when I, I'm done. I'm guessing it's a it's a business thing with the distribution or distributors, you know, Comcast, yeah, Fox, all the cable companies. But how TV, much money TV. would you pay for this game? Like, if it was a Direct TV option, if how I much money would you it, pay if you could buy it just to to watch this one game in a normal week? Like a dollar <laughs> week zero because the, the selections are lean. I'd I'd twenty I'd pay. I'd pay fifteen bucks to watch this game. Yeah, fifteen twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. Which is probably a quarter of your YouTube TV bill. Mm, well, YouTube TV has gone up, so it's close. Has it? Yeah, it's it's. They, I'm the when person I, when that I just got has on the bus. When I got on the bus, I believe it was forty nine ninety five. Now it's like seventy five. And then during football season, I add the sports package so I can get Red Zone. And then I take it off after football season because I don't like the sports. Yeah, game. I do the Red Zone thing. Um, I don't think I've watched a full NFL game in like three years because of Red Zone. Now the yeah, only ones that time, I've ever watched are like. One time, so my dad is in his 70s. I watched Red Zone at my parents' house one time. I thought my dad was going to, like, throw something. He was like, what is happening? <laughs> he didn't like it? Yeah. No. He was well, like, think about it. He was, like, from the yeah. era of one channel a I week. Like, he was like, yeah. how do you watch this? I'm like, this is how. This is what I watch every Sunday. He's like, I can't keep track of what's going on. What are you talking? It, it was, 
one of the most frustrated I've ever seen my dad. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you just cut out all the boring. Um, all right. Do you want to actually talk about USC as a team this year and whether Let's or not you it. feel comfortable laying 31 points uh, when their defense seemed completely and utterly disinterested in trying to tackle people last year? Yeah, I don't. Brent Brennan, very good coach. San Jose State, very underrated team. I think this is another thing. Another public side where people are like, oh, USC, oh, Heisman contender. Well, they're going to score 60 just by waking up in the morning. They might, but they might also give up 35. So I like San Jose State here with the 30 points. Uh, I also think, too, these superpower offenses, they can kind of stumble out of the gate. You know, it feels like, well, if it's not easy like it was, you know, at points last year, you see the, like sort of a frustration of pressing. Um, we've seen that a lot. Some of these superpower offenses, it just it doesn't always click like immediately. And I think San Jose State can put some points on the board. And USC, we'll see if they figured out how to tackle in the last eight months. I'm skeptical that they have, but 30 points is a lot. I just don't trust the defense enough. I don't think this defense is going to be that improved, maybe slightly, but not enough. And San Jose State, pretty underrated team. Uh, Shamal Cordero, I think, can put up some points, and and this is going to be uh, a fun game. I don't think it'll be that competitive, but uh, also. Stay tuned on The Athletic for some very interesting coverage from this game. That's all I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, I think that what side you are on this game kind of reveals a little bit of what you think USC is going to be able to do on defense this year. And, like, if you think that USC is susceptible uh, to giving up 35 or 31 points to San Jose State, I think that, to me, means that you think their defense is going to stink this year. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, I think it's week one. Uh, I think San Jose State's underrated. Uh, maybe I, you know, if I was betting this, I might bet the first half, uh, San Jose State, whatever that number is, what, 17, 18, 19, I don't know, something like that. Um, and unless you believe in the back door late, I, I, you know, I think they can be slightly better. I think they can put 50 up on just about everybody they play. Um, but I, I do think it comes out of tackling. Like when you look at, USC and you look at their failures. This is why I'm not as big of an anti-Alex Grinch guy as you, Ari. I, I think it's a I think it's a, a contact tackling structural thing. It's not like they got guys running free in the secondary all the time. This is a tackling issue. It's a physicality issue. I think that points to how you run your program. You watch that Tulane game. It's not like Tulane was just like doesn't that it's not make you even more concerned about the coaching? Like what you're saying right now? That's the easiest thing a, to instill, but Al, isn't it? If, but, but people get mad at Alex Grinch. It's like a scheme issue. I don't think this is a scheme issue at all. How it's does the personality issue. of the defense, where does that come from? I mean, I think it comes from how you run your program. I think this is a contact thing. I think it's a how often do you tackle thing. How physical are you uh, in your offseason program? I think this is a, I think this is a program structural architecture thing. Because again... When I watch and USC, what did that I program don't see from a structure architecture thing do to fix that. Uh, have a head coach that changes how much you tackle the drills that you do, how often you're wearing pads, what you're doing, how your week is structured, uh, all of these things. I'm not saying Alex Grinch is setting the world on fire, but I think that people who want to set him on fire are probably a little bit uh, overstated in how much um, he's to blame for this. Listen, he's back. He has a chance to do something. Um, I just don't know what season in the last five years you point to and go, this is the guy. So that's the thing, you know, like they, if they even had a defense that could kind of breathe last year, they're in the playoff. Like that's all it would have taken. So do you remember how many points USC scored last year um, in week one? Who'd they play? I might remember. Rice. Rice. And Rice isn't nearly as good as San Jose state, but do you remember Uh, how many points? I'm going to say 45 is my guess. 66. Okay. I think USC comes out hot. I think their defense stinks, and I think if their defense stinks and gives up twenty eight points, they're still going to cover the spread. Like I think they're going to they're going to score into the upper fifties or sixties on this team and, and so cover I, the spread. So are you betting on the more talented team here? Um, I just think that <laughs> I wouldn't want to take. Listen, taking the point, taking the points against teams that score as much as USC does just isn't entertaining. Like, don't you just like want to watch? Uh, the team, it's like checking it under to me. Um, I, I actually just think that USC is not going to make the playoff, and I think that their defense is going to let them down again, but I think that's going to occur in the second half of the year when their schedule gets impossible to manage. Um, yeah. In reference to Lincoln Riley's defense over the years, and to quote Ari's dad, when does it stop being a beep coincidence? It's true. When does it stop? It's a Lincoln it's like, Riley problem. It's not an, it's not an Alex Scrooge problem. I'm sorry. It just is. 
If you change the defensive coordinator, I do not buy that all of a sudden you'd be have all your problems fixed. No. I'm with you, Andrew. I'm not going to play the USC game. I'm going to play Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Notre Dame against, better. It's a lot of points against a very competent team. San Jose yeah. State. Like, yeah. They're not good, yeah. but they. I think they'll be improved, and they're not just like, you know, running around. Like they I'm know just what afraid that USC is going to score 66 points again. I think they that might, but they might give up forty. They might give up forty. If Ari. they give up forty, then I'm completely out on on USC this year. <laughs> I mean, like that's like, come on, it's just week just, one. Ari, I can't wait for our week one overreaction show. You're gonna be, it's gonna be gonna great. Be and by the way, that's a good bombs all over the place. It's a good um, reminder too that we are doing our first live Saturday night show. Oh yeah, we are going to be doing our live live Saturday night shows this year after every game. Last year. Andy and I went a little bit later at times and didn't start going live until, you know, 12, 1, 2 a.m. to finish Pac-12. Um, what we're going to try to do this year, Dave, is after the primetime game, uh, somewhere around there, like 10 or 11 o'clock Eastern time where people are still awake, people are still coming down from the big-time game that was on primetime. That's when we're going to do it this year. And we're I'll be in my I'll, I, A lot of weeks I'll be in my office. Well, maybe not in my office. I'll be on the road some. But I will have, have, we can watch Pac-12 after dark together, Ari, while we're yeah. talking about the day's games. Okay, do you want to do a lightning round on some of the picks of these other games? Like Hawaii at Vanderbilt, that's 730. Vanderbilt's I'm taking landing. the points here. I'm taking the points here. Vanderbilt's you are better a than points taker. No, 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 I'm taking, sorry, taking Vandy minus the points. Oh, okay, laying uh, the excuse points. Excuse me, laying points, sorry. Better than, they're better than people realize. Uh, Hawaii, I'm still not convinced they quite have a pulse. But Clark Lee, I, I really like what he's done culturally. Don't forget, this is a team, they really close the season really strong. Beat Florida. Uh, and people, leave Vandy Stadium alone, okay? Oh, the facilities suck. And then Vandy goes and fixes the facility, and they've got construction going on. Oh, Y'all are doing construction during the season. Leave Vandy alone, guys. They're going to be, they're functional. They're improving. I like Vandy I here to put some points on the board. That Stuart Mantel thinks that Vandy is going to finish ahead of Florida in the SEC state. I think it's very possible. I think it's very possible. I think it's like, didn't Vanderbilt just off the top of my head beat the ever loving crap out of Hawaii last year? Like, yeah, I think they was like, killed him last year. That was when year. they had Mike Wright uh, running the quarterback. Yeah, yeah it was, pro- that was Timmy Chang's first game. Coming off of the the uh, Todd Graham debacle, I think you know Hawaii shouldn't be that bad. But yeah, it was like sixty six to ten. It was wild. Okay, I'm with you on that. Um, do you have a side on the UTEP Jacksonville State game? Yes, uh, I love Dana Dimmel. Uh, I covered him going back to his days at K State. Covered him a little bit at UTEP when I was at Dave Campbell's Texas football. But I think there's juice here for a program debuting in the FBS, uh, doing so against a, a beatable opponent. Uh, give me Jacksonville State here. Um, do you have to be two MAC teams for it to be Maction? I think you carry the Maction banner um, when you're in the MAC, and I think the Maction is more a uh, a state of being than a actual state of matter. Um, so Ohio and San Diego State, this might be low key not Maction in spirit, but it might be kind of a banger. Um, yeah, could be a two, banger game. Three and a half point spread here. San Diego State's favored. Yeah. FS1, seven o'clock. Lower, I think it'd be kind of lower scoring, actually. Uh, but I, I like the Bobcats here with a chance to win the road, win the game on the road outright. Curtis Rourke coming back from a torn ACL. That makes me kind of nervous. Um, but I'm going to go with Maction over the future of the Pac-4 uh, over here in San Diego State. You don't think that San Diego State has something to play for? I think if Brady Hoke sees Ohio on the jersey, it might cause him some PTSD. So. You might actually think that he's <laughs> playing Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, I guess the technical definition of Maction is when two Mac teams play on Tuesday or Wednesday night, right? Like I think that that's the Maybe. literal definition of it. But you can, but like you said, it's a state of being. Mm-hmm. Okay, two more quick ones here: UMass at New Mexico State. Um, I got New Mexico State at minus six and a half. It's now minus nine and a half. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I love New Mexico State in this spot. Yes. Uh, do you have an opinion on this one? I like Jerry Kill's teams. Their teams are always tough. Uh, Year two. Know. It's almost like they're taking on the identity of their head coach, Ari. Uh, I think Don Brown may be getting his legs underneath him a little bit. One eleven last year. Also, Ari, I found out last night. Do you know who UMass's quarterback is? We need to get great. Who U- UMass? Who's UMass's quarterback? Tyson Pumachan. 
I did you know he played at Georgia Tech last year? I found this out last night. I didn't know that. He was a former top 100 player, right? Yes. Yes, Clemson. He was the backup uh for who was he the backup to? Who would it have been? What class? He signed in the 2019 class. Would it have been so he Trevor? Would it have been Trevor? Trevor? Yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, then I think lost the job to lost the backup job to DJU. Uh has kind Will of you do me a sound, favor and no pronounce idea. his last name again for me. Tyson Pumachan, is it not? Pumachan. Yeah, I, I've Pumachan never been able Pumachan? to. I've never I, spelt his name correctly, let alone said it correctly. So wait, like that I'm not is, sure. I'm not sure of his background. I feel like that is a um, uh, Pumachan. I feel like is a what is the the ethnicity? I forget what it is. Um, there's a letter that's silent in it that I'm forgetting. But he's I like six like four, two hundred pounds as a recruit. So he mm-hmm. like people were really excited about him when he when he went to Clemson. So um, yeah. It is it is really cool to see recognizable names starting. Yeah, Ari, at, did you know he uh, played for Georgia Tech last year? I did. Yeah, I did not. I missed that. That's my bad. That's my bad. Well, hey, listen <laughs> here. Here's the thing too. It's like I think it's excusable. Like we're supposed to know. Like people gave you a lot of crap in in the first episode for messing up, and I think uh, <laughs> well, who was it? JoJo Earl. It's like I don't even know if you even meant to say that, but like no, I was just throwing really, out a name. Really the, hard. <clears throat> To like know where everybody is at all times in this new in the this portal new world. era has made it ten times harder because everybody's moving all the time, uh, and that's why we need the video game back that has automated legitimately. The, yeah, yes, and once the, and once the video game comes back and updates the rosters automatically, we're gonna be so every time somebody right? transfers, we're never gonna have a have a mishap again. But <laughs> yeah. listen, we're people too. We're yeah. supposed to be experts in this, and I, I feel like we're do we do a pretty good job of you know talking to people and. But knowing where everybody is at all the time, it's just an impossible thing to do unless you have like references in front of you. So mm-hmm. if New Mexico State's Pistol Pete doesn't square up against Sam the Minuteman at halftime, what are we even doing here? Eric Decker uh, comment. I don't even know. But like Pistol Pete better like, you know, keep his hands up, you know. <laughs> um, and then Josh Mustachio, a guy that I've known pretty well and has been a big fan of the pod here, says, I can't wait to see how the running clock uh, after first downs this year affects these high spreads. Um, and that also, too, is something that you have to to I think I read somewhere that there's a study that it means like five to eight less plays a game, which might like equate to two or three points a game, mm-hmm. um, depending on what teams are playing, what the pace they're playing at is. But it is certainly interesting to see, like what the over under trend will be, um, you know, if and when we get to that point. So, um, yeah, we have uh, one Tech. quick th- we have one last game, uh, Louisiana Tech at FIU, and then we've got two more quick segments we got to get through. So, uh, what's your pick here? And then we'll move on. I'm taking Mike McIntyre's guys on the road here. You know, I'm a big Sonny Cumbie fan, but no Marquise Crosby. He's legitimately a special, special back. I think he can do some big time things. Not a Hank back, Hank Bachmeyer little guy. Boise seemed to improve after he left. That raises some red flags to me. Of like, yeah. what are we doing here? Uh, I think and Boise might be pretty FIU good this year too. I think yeah, people are expecting yeah. Boise to be a good football uh, team. So. Yeah, I think Mike McIntyre's guys keep it close. They might pull the upset here. Okay. All right. Next quick segment here, Dave. Uh, and then we'll get to a few mailbag questions before getting out of here. Um, Swamp Kings came out. The mm-hmm. catalog, the catalog of um, the Percy Harvin, Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, Florida teams. Um, and obviously they were one of the best, you know, teams of the last 20 years uh, with the talent that they had and the way that they kind of took over with Urban Meyer there but also were known a lot for some off the field incidents that happened um, arrests. Obviously Aaron Hernandez was on that team. Um, what was your takeaway from watching swamp Kings? And do you have any different take than what is the general take, which is they I left think too much was, out. Listen, it's well done. I think there was a disconnect in what people wanted and what it was. Um, and I think that if guys weren't talking heads in the documentary, they were sort of not really, given their proper, um, you know, place in that. You know, I think, obviously, Percy Harvin jumps off the list of guy. He's not in there. Chris Leak is not in there. He's a quarterback. So he he gets featured a little bit in the early part. Um, but he's I think featured people- in the early part, but as somebody who couldn't run their offense the right way and never, like, really got his <laughs> yeah. due for being a part of he's a team that a won a national title. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so – Listen, I think when I heard, hey, we're going to make this documentary about this team, I think you have to, they're, they're defined in so many ways, especially because of what happened post-script um, with Aaron Hernandez. They're defined in so many ways by what happened off the field. And 
And they were, you know, people are making a big deal about uh, about Georgia street racing and, and a lot of the stuff happening there. Listen, Florida was in another league um, when it comes to, to getting in trouble. And, you know, I think Chris Rainey certainly had probably one of the more memorable incidents um, that was ugly. And it's literally not even mentioned in the film. So I think it, it, it's I think just what if you're going in there expecting an in-depth look at um you know, some of the warts of that program and how it fell apart and some of the cultural issues. Um, you're not going to get that. Um, but if you want to go in there and, and see sort of Here's the, how Urban built something, you're going to get that. That, to me, was the biggest disconnect. And Matthew C. here says Percy Harvin was on those teams, Ari. You'd never know it from that awful documentary. And, like, I think that there's two issues here. One, I think Percy Harvin might actually be the greatest college football player of all freaking time. Like I think you could actually That's make quite that a case. Take, Ari. <laughs> I mean, That's he's quite one take. of them. He's, he's definitely a in the very top good 10. player. That's a, this is an interesting debate. We got to save this for an off-season show. I'll, well, I'll I, hear your argument. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to entertain it. I'm not on board with you, but I'll entertain it. But anyway. he literally was our entire team. Okay, Tebow's pretty good too. But all right. I know. I, who would you? <laughs> who would you take off the team? What do you mean? Who is the best player on those teams? If you took. Tebow or Percy off the team, who do you think would have had a bigger impact? Somewhere else you're talking about? No, I'm saying like if they if they were absent off the roster. Oh, who's uh, Tebow? I think I listen, I I will buy that Tebow was the heartbeat of that team. I think he yeah. sets the tone. You know, I don't know in, if their offense the, works without Percy Harvin. I legitimately uh, don't think they could run offense without him. Maybe. Didn't he touch the ball like on 80% of their plays, basically? He had a I'd he had a hand in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, somebody said Eric Decker said, didn't Ari Wasserman say Marvin Harrison was the best wide receiver he's ever seen, like, earlier this <laughs> but week? But Percy was, like, a receiver, but it's also not, not a receiver. Yeah, I yeah, think that was, like, like, there's a difference between tools and, yeah. you know, NFL draft prospects. And We're like talking about something different. Being, yeah, like, Reggie Bush is one of the best college football players I've ever seen. I don't yeah. think that it means he's the best running back that's ever played. Like, it's a, it's yes. a debate, but okay. Yes. Um, but the thing that I think interesting is, um, People thought Swamp Kings was a documentary about the legal issues, not a rehash of how good they were on the field. And I think that yeah, we I learned some disconnect. stuff. Some of the footage that they got, like of the Matt drills in the first episode, that was were awesome. great. That was like, like the best. It was, part a, of the it whole was an entertaining like, documentary, mm-hmm. but we wanted answers and uh, insight on the things that we know occurred there, but don't have details on. And we got less than zero on that. So that to me is why it's catching such uh, a bad break. But those uh, untold documentaries are certainly told <laughs> from one perspective and you know who the perspective is very early on. And then if you wanted an alter, it's the same thing that happened with the Johnny Manziel documentary. I'd love to hear anybody who wasn't best friends with Johnny Manziel or a family member speak in that, ep- in that documentary. And I never got a chance to. So um, that to me is the the biggest problem, but certainly I think probably worth watching just to relive the nostalgia of those teams um, and of course, I don't think that you can run a football program the way that they ran it anymore without having some other issues, but yeah. Okay. So Dave, should we get to a few questions here before we get out of here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, let's see here. Which one was your favorite one? Uh, we did. We should have, let's have the, it's a Minnesota conversation, but it's not a Minnesota conversation. Okay. Uh, is this the Minnesota win total one? Yes. Uh, Minnesota's win total is seven. I have yet to find a national prognosticator that is going for the over, mostly due to breaking in new starters, a talented but relatively unknown in, in at QB and a very tough schedule on paper. Uh, my question is, how do you feel uh, in betting when nearly everyone is on the same side about a team? Texas, Penn State, examples of, of the other end of the spectrum. Do you double down or does that give you pause and make you wonder if Vegas knows something that you don't know? Um, this is from Jordan H. in Cam, the graphics that you have here up for me makes it a lot easier for me to figure out who who asked them. Um, and thank you, Jordan, so much for participating. And like I'll tell you right now, my temperament is always to lean into what the opposite of what everybody's doing. Thanks and sometimes, public. like like, and sometimes I bet before realizing that, and that's maybe I'm not like the best gambler on the face of the earth. Um, but like, if you think that Minnesota. Uh, win totals over seven uh, looking at the fact that everybody is fading them would make me feel more excited about betting the over and like I don't know what the what the actual like text he said Texas is an example of it like I have a ticket in for Texas to win the national title this year people like, are I in think, on like, Texas people but like are people in on Texas because yeah. everybody 
everybody is giving me shit for liking Texas. Well, but like, people I aren't can't in on tell. Texas as a national title contender, but they're in on Texas as a Big 12 champion and a team that can win yeah. 10, 11, 10, 11 points. Yeah, and I also think, too, that just like if they make the playoff, they're talented in an indoor stadium to potentially surprise some people. Um, and that's like, I think that's certainly, it's a 20 to 1 ticket. So, all right, does it give you like, pause? Does it give you pause that Texas's head coach has never won 10 games? It does, yeah. It's a long okay. shot. That's why I'm getting right. 21 to 1 odds on it. Uh, okay. like, I'm not I'm betting just, it even. I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> yeah, well, let me ask you this. Well, here's what I'll say. And I said this last year with Andy, and I've already broken my promise. So, if you don't believe me, okay. it's fair. I understand. I said I was out on Texas last year until they did something, right? Mm-hmm. And then here we are one year later, and I'm back in. And um, it worked out so hard this offseason. No other teams were hitting the weights. No other teams were running or building their bodies. They were working so hard. But if you think that <laughs> this guy is just going to fall for it every year, <laughs> I will tell you this. Because I have played the scenario in my head of um, them losing a shitty game early on in the year. And like how that temperament. You will have to be play a scenario. It'll, 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 yeah. It will happen, Aria. They'll beat Bama, and then something. I will, will be so out on Sark as a head coach of that program moving forward <laughs> that it will be like I'm not going to go out and write a column. They should fire him, and like even if they lose to Alabama close, I still think that doesn't change anything about the season and what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they start dropping games to Iowa State or Texas Tech or whatever. Um, and it looks like the old Texas, I will lose all confidence in his ability to coach that program. I have a lot of questions about the Texas desire. You saw the big 12 commissioner yesterday talking about you putting some pressure on Joey McGuire to beat them again. Ari, I do think you underrate the fact that Texas is going to be a bunch of teams super bowl this year. And that's you a always say that. Yeah. Because Maybe they'll I, just be well, better than them physically and kick the shit out of them like everybody else. That has that true, but it's going to be doubly true this year, Ari. And I is it not true for it. Alabama? Is it not true for Georgia? Is it not the, true for it Ohio is, State? Is it not mental, true for Michigan? Those teams have mental toughness, Ari. I don't buy Texas. They There's nothing about this program that so you, screams so we are you, mentally tougher. Coming in, you, hey, we want this better than it, more than anybody else. I just don't I don't see that with their program. Well, the last so time you we saw buy so that USC can fix a team that doesn't know how to tackle anybody, which no. is all about toughness and all that. But you you can't figure out Texas winning good games. Against I think teams you can that fix better it. Than? I don't I don't think USC has fixed it. I think you can fix it, but that's but can not you a really fix Texas. That's I, I don't know. We'll find out. I don't even know that USC is a mental toughness thing as much as a literal physical toughness thing and tackling Texas. Yeah. I just think they come out flat a lot. They don't play up to their potential. A lot. And if you're, you're going to have a bunch me, of people coming for I'm worried about it and <laughs> like, like I'm unaware of, of this notion, I'm certainly aware of the danger of this. It's like that Ralph Simpson's meme. Ha <laughs> I'm in danger. Like, I know I'm in danger. And yet I'm just you saying, put the money down. <laughs> but I'm looking at the team, the schedule, the circumstance, the lines, the skill position talent, all of it. And it adds up to being great value. And I'm going to go for it. And if right. I'm wrong, then whatever. I'll just be wrong like I always am when it comes to Texas. And I will say sorry and I will give up. But like Sark got hired to be there. So somebody <laughs> is paying millions and millions and millions of dollars because they think that he can do it. And so if they're going to put their money up, then I'll put up my my few hundred bucks. So it's it's no big deal. Um, okay, one more you question, and then we'll get out of here. Um, yes. Do you have a favorite one that you want to attack here? Uh, dealer's choice. In all of the discussion of miss of UGA's chance of missing the playoff, a simple scenario, a loss to UT who then loses in the SEC championship game would be sufficient. No, one lost non-division champ UGA could easily be left out provided conference produces strong bids. What say you? I don't know if it's going to be Tennessee. I mean, it might be. I think the athlete issue, I think Georgia seems very well uh, well equipped to slow down that offense. I think it's going to be something stupid like last year where Georgia goes to uh, Georgia goes to uh, Mizzou and stumbles around. They should have lost that game, uh, but they didn't. They I think if Georgia loses, that's the best route for Georgia to uh, get knocked out of the playoff, but I don't think that's I don't think it's going to be quite as simple as they lose the best team they play in the regular season and then they lose in the SC championship. I, I think it's going to be something stupid. Uh, Dr. Evan B. Johnson on Twitter. I hope you actually are a doctor, but if I, 
didn't have a professional Twitter account, I would certainly have doctor in front of whatever my name would be. <laughs> I on feel there. like if uh, I was a doctor, you. I would never be on Twitter. So yeah. Um, thank you so much for the question. And just so you guys know too, our Sunday shows, our sound off shows, um, where we have the voicemail is just going to be like that. We're just going to throw up your voicemails and your tweets and your questions onto the screen. And you're just going to be a part of the conversation. So please make sure to continue hitting that phone number um, and, and hitting the comments and, and of course, putting in, you know, reviews with questions and all the ways that you do it. Um, this was the first edition of the until Saturday week zero uh, picks podcast. Thank you so much for joining um, it's going to get more intense and better as the games get better. Obviously, it's week zero. It's going to be a good week for us to wet our beak. Mm-hmm. We'll have our Saturday night show after the games on Saturday. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to talk about USC and San Jose State having watched it. <laughs> Maybe. Um, uh, but we'll be here on YouTube live Saturday night after the USC game. Uh, follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. Uh, like it. Subscribe it. Subscribe to the podcast channel, which is in the show's description, all those things. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm so jacked to be back into football season. It finally feels real. Yeah. Um, and Shout out to FIU. So much do, it for, do, it, do, it, do it for Ned. Yeah. Real ones now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, now we're going to watch the games and uh, have a good time, and we'll catch you guys on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Thanks again, and that was Until Saturday. <laughs>